Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Brother Jeremy Lang had sent me uh, some information concerning his health on Friday, and I wanted to share it with the church. Uh, of course, Brother Lang is a friend of ours, and, and just when he used to just live in Owensville, uh, you know, we have seen him grow in his walk with the Lord tremendously then over the years, <clears throat> and a friend. But this is what he wanted to tell me, and I want to share with the church for your prayers. He said, my biopsy report has come in. He said the results are consistent with advanced fibrosis and cirrhotic liver. He said this means that some parts of my liver are cirrhotic and some parts are advanced fibrosis from NASH, which is non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. He said since the NASH is caused by fat in the liver, my next course of action is quick and sustainable weight loss. My doctors are strongly recommending gastric sleeve weight loss surgery. He says, I have to get regular MRIs for liver imaging, checking for cancer and blood work, checking my enzyme levels. He says, the things for pray for, and this is where we come into the picture. He says, pray for no cancer. He says, pray for strength. He says, pray for my willpower to maintain proper liver diet and progress of liver damage and fibrosis stops. He says, just for complete healing. He said, thank you. And so I told him we, he was in our daily prayers and definitely, amen, we would pray according to as he has specified. And so I ask you, just put him on your prayer list if you have one. Amen. Remember, Brother Jeremy Lang, amen, that God would just uh, do a healing in his body. We love miracles that instantaneous but sometimes god operates in the realm of a healing and it's a process and it's it happens here a little and there a little amen but we're going to keep the faith that god is able we know that he's able to do it but that he will amen do it for pastor pastor lang amen as i look out this morning we're so glad this morning to have lisa uh, a guest here of brother gregory's this morning so glad to have her today here at the first apostolic church welcome amen we're proud to have you here amen with us this morning Amen. It's good to see Roxana and Bob. Amen. Today, both of them in the house of the Lord as well. <clears throat> so, so glad to see those. Amen. Today in God's house. Amen. Uh, Sister Angie Cruz wanted me to make an announcement too. There is a sheet up. She called it her redneck sheet. She just has it in marker back there on lined paper uh, for those that may uh, be going to Tyler Cruz and Jennifer Goldsmith's reception. If you are going, have plans to go, she wants you to sign up that there so that they have an idea of number from the church if you plan on going to their reception. So this is reception specific. Uh, not necessarily if you're going to their wedding, but if you're going to their reception. And so that's up. If you have any questions concerning that, you can see Sister Angie cruise and she can help you in that uh, regard amen yeah, hallelujah we're in the house of the Lord today I tell you what I've had this bad habit here the past two weekends Bishop he's talked about the morning watch of getting up at like three I don't know what I got going on I'm not going to bed till like two a lot and uh, I don't know if it's God keeping me up or if I'm keeping myself up <laughs> I told him last weekend whenever I was going to Texas and Sister McGee hurt herself uh, that Thursday night started me off on a several day session of 2 o'clock uh, we didn't get home and I didn't get in bed and packed till 2 then that Friday night I got in bed at 2 in Texas Saturday night in Texas I was in bed at 2 Sunday morning when I got back home I got in at 1 o'clock didn't get to bed till 2 so, like, Phew. so that's just too too much I went to bed last night at 2 and so that's just too, too much. But uh, Lord knows, amen. He gives me strength to do it. I'll do it. But I try to be wise with my body as well. Amen. This morning, I'm just going to kind of dive in here today, all right? I know sometimes I do that. I don't have, per se, a scripture reading for you, although laced all throughout what I'm going to talk to you about today is laced with scripture and the word of the Lord. But I want to talk to us this morning. The Bible talks about uh, in Luke chapter number two, and this is not my text by no means, but the Bible talks about in Luke chapter number two, speaking of the Lord, uh, that he came and he exhorted and in his exhortation, he preached. I feel a little bit today, uh, Bishop, as though I need to give some exhortation 
but I, I believe that in my exhortation, I'm going to do a little bit of preaching. Is that all right? Amen. A little bit of preaching. And so if we can just lift our hands right now to the Lord all across this place, well, I'm just going to ask God's help for the next few moments. Amen. Over what we're going to talk about here today. Father, I need you. God, we need, Lord, every heart and mind, God, that we can be, Lord Jesus, solely, Lord, attentive to you right now. I pray, oh God, I love you. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us, God, in this place. God, you're able to bring, Lord Jesus, God, freedom in this house to every heart, soul, and mind. I pray, oh God, today, Lord, let your word, God, be established, Lord, in our spirits. Help us to follow the direction of the Holy Ghost, Lord, in this place. And we'll not fail to thank you for it. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You're already seated, so you're good. 91% of American households own at least one. The average household owns four, which means that publishers manage to sell 25 million copies a year of a book that almost everybody already has. I'm talking to you this morning about, as the children used to sing, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. They'd say, I'm standing on the Word of God. It's the B-I-B-L-E. The familiar observation that the Bible is the best-selling book of all times obscures a more startling fact, and that is the Bible is the best-selling book of the year every year. The amount spent annually on Bibles has been put at more than half and I do say with a capital B, half a billion dollars. As of October 2018, the full Bible has been translated into 633 languages. The New Testament has been translated into an addition 1,534 languages. Bible portions or stories of it into 1,133 other languages. Thus, that means at least some portion of the Bible has been translated into 3,000. 350 languages and that is when there are only 7,361 living languages in the world in other words there's only a little over 7,000 different languages in the world that's still alive but some portion of the Bible has been translated in about half of the languages of the world stories fill the internet if you peruse it or social media feeds if you look into them of Bibles that have survived fires brother Fred tornadoes and various other natural disasters totally unscathed without any pages of any smoke or any blackness upon them firemen have backed out of buildings from things that I have read in some cases where the fire has been too hot to fight but when the smoke cleared and the rubbish and the rummage amen was all set aside there have been at times dozens of Bibles that's been there a, a building they couldn't go in that it, because it was too hot but dozens of Bibles being laying there without any harm have emerged from the wreckage that is amazing to us we read that and we are spellbound I remember seeing a Bible standing on a pulpit after a hurricane had taken place and demolished houses and buildings and floodwaters had rose and still on that pulpit was a Bible untouched, unscathed and it's amazing to us but we should not be surprised because did not the Lord ask in the scriptures of Jeremiah he said is not my word like as a fire and if it is as a likeness of fire I assume its composition is similar as well and what that tells me is this is that fire amen can't burn fire and fire can't destroy fire for that matter when we look at the word of God we see perhaps our nice little leathering or perhaps fake leathering binding and we look at the pages that are oft times all so thin and made out of paper we look at them and think there is no way possible that this thing could endure being placed in a fire and come out unscathed but folks we got to realize the word of the Lord 
on paper is just one example of the word of God. But the word that was made flesh is another demonstration of the word of God. Can someone say amen? John wrote in his gospel, give me just a little bit more monitor up here. John wrote in his gospel in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. We go down to verse 14 and it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. It goes on in verse 18 and says, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son which is in the bosom of the father, he hath declared him. You know what that's saying? That Jesus Christ that walked among humanity, he declared the father. But I've come to tell you today that declaration was more than Jesus talking about God. That declaration was that Jesus declared God because he was the expression of the word that had been from the very beginning. Someone say amen. He was an expression of that very word that was from the beginning. The very word that, that we even hold in our hands was expressed through the life, the actions, the words, and the display of Jesus Christ. I submit to you this morning that there were some expressions of that word that must have slipped through. Listen to me today. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like there are some expressions of that word that slipped through the fiery furnace in Daniel chapter chapter number three, because Nebuchadnezzar said, did we not throw three men into the fire, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? He said, lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. There was an expression of the word in the fiery furnace before Jesus ever came into a stable. He says, because there's something I see in the fire unheard, and it's like the Son of God. What I'm saying today is this. If you, don't you think if the word endured the fire back then, the word can endure the fire today. When David wrote his song of praise unto the Lord for delivering him from all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul, he said these words in Psalms 18, 30 and 2 Samuel 22 and 31. I'm not going to be able to pause and give you all the references today because it's filled with the word. David said when he was delivered, he said the word of the Lord, he said is tried. What that meant was is the word was tried or purged in a like similarity as gold, amen, is purged and as silver is refined by a fire. In other words, David is saying the word of the Lord is tried. It's been through the fire. Not as only God's word like as a fire but it's been through the fire. And if we want to endure the fiery trials that are to try us, amen, that the Bible says sometimes we would think a strange thing would come upon us. If we want to endure those, it's best that we take this word, this tried word and hide it in our heart and we have a washing of the water by the word of God upon our spirits because you want this type of retarded in your life. Someone say amen. The word of God. Whew. I know it sits up on our coffee tables and our shelves and you have it stuck somewhere, you know, underneath the car seat in your vehicle. But this word of God, folks, that you carry, and you may have two, three, four, maybe 10, 20, Bishop, amen, of them. This word that you carry, amen, to church and that we preach out of and teach out of. Folks, it is a marvel. Forty writers recorded the words of the Lord that we have in our hands from Genesis to Revelations. Forty writers put pins to page as they were inspired of the Holy Ghost. Amen. To write over a period of 1500 years. Writers such as Moses and David and Daniel and Peter and Paul and Jonah and John and Isaiah just to name a few. Amen. Of the writers that wrote as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Forty over a span time of 1500 years. What that means is this. They lived at different times. So 
some of their lives were separated by hundreds of years. And in many instances, they were complete strangers to one another. They were human beings from all walks of life. They were businessmen and traders and shepherds and fishermen and soldiers and physicians and preachers and kings. They served under different governments. They lived with contrasting cultures. They had different systems of philosophy. Yet whenever you read the word from Genesis to Revelation, it is tongue and groove. They harmonize with one another. They tell each other stories. One prophesies and the other brings the fulfillment. I'm talking about the word. Whenever the pen was put to the page, sometimes that happened in palaces, sometimes in prisons, sometimes in pastures, sometimes among the parishioners during times of war, during times of famine, during times of peace. But one thing is for certain, the impact of these ancient words find their thrust in the fact that the Bible says they were all given by inspiration of God, which literally means everything that was put on paper, amen, was God breathed. When I hold this in my hand, I hold the breath of God. When I hold this in my hand, the very same breath that gave utterance to let there be light and let the waters be separated from the land, I hold that. Someone say amen. The word of God. Is it any wonder today that the longest chapter in the book of Psalms, for that matter, the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalms 119, whose focal point of discussion and theme of emphasis is the word of God itself among those 176 verses in Psalms 119, the word of God is called the law. It's called testimonies. It's called precepts. It's called statutes. It's called judgments. But on all, all those nouns bespeak of one thing, the word of God. God says, I'm not going to allow Psalms 117, which is the shortest of the Bible and of Psalms, amen, to be the book that focuses on the Word. But I'm going to take the largest chunk of my holy writ that's devised, amen, according to man by chapters and verses. And I'm going to allow that to be focused upon the Word of the Lord. Can I tell you this morning that the Word of God is nothing to be trifled with? Word of God is nothing to be trifled with. It's not a book of suggestions. It's not a book of opinions. It's not maybe perhaps. It's not just good literature to read as you fall asleep at night. Although there's nothing wrong with that. It's not that. It's nothing to be trifled with. The Bible says in Numbers, a despised word. Speaking of the word of the Lord. A despised word result in a cut off soul. Amen. From the Lord. So it's nothing to be trifled with. It's nothing to be in opposition to. If anything, you want to be in harmony with the word. Because if you embrace it, rather than despise it, rather than being cut off, you'll be accounted as his own. Balaam even said, amen, whenever he came before, amen, those of Moab, Balaam said, he said, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God. We are admonished in the Old Testament law of Deuteronomy that we are not to add to the word nor diminish aught from it. So much so in the closing book of Revelation, many of you know this, but in Revelation 22 and 18, John says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. And he wasn't just speaking about Revelation. He was talking about the total scope and canon of Scripture. He said, He that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy. God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. God's word is nothing to be trifled with. He says you add to it I'll add the plagues that are written there into your life. You take from it. He said I'll take your name out of the Lamb's book of life. 
What is that? That's being cut off. Can I tell you today in our modern day society that God's word doesn't need to be made relevant to the times? God's word doesn't need to be relevant to the times because it's already relevant to the times. It doesn't need to be altered for cultural or political purposes, amen, or political correctness, amen. It doesn't need to be revised. It doesn't need to be reworded. The psalmist had it right when he said, for the word of the Lord is right. That's just plain and simple. That's what the psalmist said. He said, the word of the Lord is right. I wish somebody would be able to stand up in the next disagreement that comes concerning the word. That whenever it's all said and done and the discussion is ended, you just quote all David and let him know. David said by the word of the Lord that the word of the Lord is right. He also said that the word is very pure. He also said that the word is settled in heaven. Someone say Amen. Our problem as a nation and as a church all times is that we are working against the will and the word of God. If Jesus told his disciples, when you pray, pray, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Then he wanted a settled word that's already settled in heaven to be settled likewise upon the earth. This is not up for negotiation. This is not up for discussion. It's the word of God. It's been the word from the beginning. It'll be the word in the ending and we are I tell you why there's anemic preaching in pulpits across America it's because people are preaching everything else except the word and they're steering clear of the word because they know the word is right and the word is pure and the word is settled I'm here to tell you in our generation we need a right pure settled word in the earth just as much as we do in heaven we someone say amen look Man, I got so much scripture in this thing. If you would see all the scripture references, I got parentheses after things in here. The Lord said, he that hath my word, let him speak. He that hath it, he said, let him speak my word. Here's, here's the test. Let him speak my word faithfully. He says, if he had my word, he was speaking in a certain instance about a word of prophecy. But still, yet, yeah, this is a prophetic word. Much of this word, anytime it's spoken, is a prophetic word. But he says, he that has my word, he said, go on. Don't just have it. He says, speak it. And he says, when you speak it, do so faithfully. There's a great disbursement of the word. But if we have it, we need to utter it. But the classification is this. It's got to be done faithfully. I'm not just talking about regularity on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I'm talking about being faithful to the integrity of what it is. And what it says. In other words, if the word says this is wrong, no preacher has any entitlement to say that it's right. If politics says it's okay, there's not a preacher in America that can stand up and say it's okay by the word. He says, if you have my word, he says, speak my word, but speak it faithfully. Paul told the church at Corinth, he and others, he said, I can guarantee you this, Corinthians, whenever me and the boys came preaching, when me and the boys came uttering the word, he said, we did not handle the word deceitfully. You know what he was saying? He said, we were not trying to get members of a church. We were not trying to grow a swelling crowd. He said, we handled the word rightly. We handled it faithfully. We handled it truly because it is true and it is right. We didn't handle it deceitfully. We didn't try to make it say what it didn't say. Be oh, yes. Someone say amen. Thank goodness, Paul. I'm glad you did. But that's a far cry from our day. For one, preachers are not preaching the word because it may be offensive. Well, glory. We got to somehow bring something else up or be able to tell a good story from our own personal lives and make some type of, you know, application for the people because we can't preach the word because there are segments and parts of the word of God that may be offensive. 
Now they're going to skip over the times the Lord looked at the scribes and Pharisees and said, oh, you generation of vipers. I'll tell you right now, I need a word in my life that's going to be offensive to me. I need a word in my life that's going to be offensive to my diabolical nature at times. I need a word in my life that's going to be offensive to my corrupt behaviors at times. I need a word. And here's what the psalmist said, and this is plain Jane scripture. He said, ye cannot walk evil ways and keep the word. You know what he's saying? He's saying because whenever you and the word get together and you're trying to walk evil, he said one or two things are going to happen. You're going to have to let go of the word or let go of the evil because you can't keep your evil ways and walk with the word. Honey, I'm not looking for a full congregation down here on earth, but I am looking for a people that want to be pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. I don't care if you walk on streets around here. We want to get your feet on gold someday, and that is going to happen by the word. Yes. Someone say amen. We're living in a generation, as Isaiah said. He said, truth has fallen in the street. He said, judgment has went backward and truth has fallen in the street. You know why truth fell in the street in that generation? It's the same reason that it falls in the streets in our generation. It's because the proclaimers of truth have failed to herald it or many have just dropped it altogether. There's so many things being propagated by star personalities. That have nothing to do with this. But people's taking it hook, line, and sinker. You know why? Because of the popularity of the person. But while they're following the popularity of a known word of a person, the word has fallen in the street because somebody's not proclaiming the truth. We got to get back to what was in the beginning. And that was the word. Titus said it is a faithful word. The writers of Hebrews said that the word of God is quick. Quick and powerful. But that word quick there means this. The word of God is alive. The word of God is alive. This was interesting to me. Because whenever I read over in the Psalms, the psalmist said, the word hath quickened me. The word is alive. And yet the psalmist said, or the word is quickened. The psalmist said, the word has quickened me. You know what that means to me? The word of God is alive. And the psalmist said, it's made me alive. Actually, the psalmist said this. And whenever I was in, amen, the way of my affliction, the thing that comforted me, he said, was the word of God it quickened me he said when I was down and out when I was in affliction when I felt like I couldn't go on when I didn't find no favor from my brother he says that quick powerful living word came into my life and it made me alive again honey the word can take your dead carcass and make it alive again your word can quicken your spirit his word can quicken your soul his word so it's amen now we're satisfied with this world and the place of our habitation. Yet scripture says that the worlds were framed in Hebrews 11 by the word of God. David said the heavens also. Meaning it didn't matter whether heaven or earth that the worlds and the heavens were framed by the word. Everybody say the word talking to you this morning about the wonder of the word the word of God listen to me just 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 walk along here I got to keep track of time here this morning I could get very wild here and we miss lunch the Bible says he sent his word and healed them everybody say the word he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from destructions by his word he cast out spirits with his Everybody say his word. They received, everybody say his word. They received his word in Acts 2 and were baptized. In Acts 4, they heard the word and believed. In Acts 6, the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied. I was sitting on a panel in Texas just last weekend. I preached once, I did two sessions, and I sat on four panels while I was gone. It was one of those times when they were 
shooting questions and we were answering. There was no head of time. This is what the questions are going to be. This is from the hip, from the word, from the heart, from the head. Amen. And we're sitting there. Some question came up across talking about what can we do, you know, for, for better, you know, doing our mission as the church. What kind of programs can we have, you know, to better equip the church to win the loss and do this and that. And I'm fine with all that. We have our own set of programs around here as well. But there was one thing that I had to keep us tethered to. Amen. In that district. And I quoted that little scripture right there in Acts chapter number 6. I said, here is my answer to your question. The word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied. Listen, listen, sometimes we're trying to do a lot of things that lie outside the margins of the word. But if we can just get back to the good old word, get back to the good old gospel, get back to the proclamation, the heralding, the preaching of the good old word. He said when the word was increased, disciples were multiplied. We just got... Hallelujah. Acts 6, the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied. In Acts 10, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. Acts 19, the word of God grew and prevailed. Acts 20, the Bible says the word can build you up and give you an inheritance. What? 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 Yeah. I know that's not popular today. Because you have to have programs for kids of every age group in your church. You have to have lights, fog machines, banners of colorful sayings. Oh, God. You have to have programs for the young married and programs for the married. And that's all fine and good. But none of that, none of that, I repeat, none of that trumps this right here. And when those things have more importance than this, forget it. Forget it. You better trash every program, trash every section of age group before this and that going on and get back to the good old-fashioned word. We didn't get here in this century with all those things. The early church, they met in homes, they broke bread, they had fellowship, and they spoke the word. So we got to fall back in love with this thing. It doesn't need proved. It doesn't need propped up. But I will tell you this. It does need declared. Oh, someone clap your hands right now to the Lord. I'm just doing a little exhortation this morning, hoping I'm preaching while doing it. But it doesn't need proved. It doesn't need propped up. But it does need declared. And as precious as we uh, put our content and our life in the name of Jesus Christ, and it is precious, demons tremble. Amen. Devils know. Believe there's one God and tremble. Disease goes in Jesus. All these different things in the name of Jesus. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Amen. But as precious as Jesus' name is, the Bible says in Psalms that there's only thing that one thing that God magnified a man above his name and that was his word as honorable as the name is as precious as the name is as essential as the name is to baptism amen and to the fleeing of diseases amen and evil spirits he says I'm going to give you one that goes above that that is magnified above that I magnify my word above my name because it is a living word it is a powerful word the Bible says it will not return void it will accomplish its purpose and God will confirm his word with signs following That's the pattern of scripture. His word didn't follow the signs. The signs followed his word. I like what Clarence Sexton said. He said every word of that book was settled before any word of it was ever given to men to pen. What he's saying is this. Before Peter put pen to script to write First and Second Peter, he said it was settled before he ever put it on paper. We're not trying to firm up and put a foundation for the word and try to have it have a stationary spot in our lives, honey. Before it ever got to you and your generation, it was already a done deal. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? 
the word 40 riders 1500 years but our part is what Paul told Timothy and you don't have to be a preacher or teacher to do this we must preach the word we can't confuse the job description of the word for our job description I've never had and I say this quite plainly today I've never had any signs follow me but they have followed the word I've never accomplished anything but the word has done some unparalleled things I'm not a powerful preacher but the word is a powerful message we got to leave the word with its job description and we got to do ours we got to declare it we got to proclaim it Genesis of Revelation brother Terry the Bible never records that singing saved anyone listen to me in the sense of salvation or that a multimedia video saved anybody or that a well-polished slide presentation saved anybody? While all our programs have place and order is vital within the church, there's only one thing that ever pleased God to employ in the saving of them that believe. And that's the preaching of the word. He said in 1 Corinthians 1 and 21, that phrase, it pleased God by the foolishness, not foolish preaching, but by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. What's the foolishness of preaching? It's because whenever you speak God and you speak Christ to those that have no relationship, don't know him, you are speaking as a fool. You are speaking as somebody uneducated. But the Bible says those that know the power of God and salvation understand there is wisdom being told. When people are uttering those scripture and the word of God the foolishness of preaching is this it's to them that don't believe it's foolishness but to those of us that's had the born again experience honey we should see this as the wisdom the way the venue the only avenue to God at salvation is the word I've had my fill of you this morning with them I'm I'm not done God called Jeremiah to a place in ministry. Read the book of Jeremiah. Set with Jeremiah. Hear the words of Jeremiah. Hear the response from the people that Jeremiah was speaking to. Set in the dungeon with Jeremiah. Watch Jeremiah be in fear of his own life. And the only tool, Sister Roxana, that he had during that period of time where God sent him to be a minister was to close on his back and a word from God. God called Jeremiah to a place in ministry where he wanted him to voice the precepts and the will and the judgments and the commandments of God. The results, listen to me very clearly, the results from this proclamation would be bleak. And what I'm saying is this, Jeremiah preached it, but nobody was obeying it. Jeremiah was sounding the warning but nobody was given to the warning. Jeremiah could have easily been discouraged, Brother Terry, because of the lack of quote-unquote results. He could have found him some corner and put his biggest thumb of one of his hands in his mouth and sucked it because he could have said, God, you told me to go here and speak your word and precepts, but nothing is happening. But he had to understand during his time of ministry there, it was his responsibility to sound the alarm. It was his responsibility to preach the word. Amen. It was his responsibility through the persuasion of the word to somehow find the saving, if you will, of humanity from where they were headed to where they needed to go and by all appearances yes it looked like failure there's more than one reason why Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet he had discouragement and despondency and depression that constantly loomed over him because he spoke the word he preached the word and the people would go in the opposite direction he left the people without excuse and he just kept on preaching they would not be able to say whenever that day and hour of Jeremiah's ministry was over that they didn't know because he constantly was faithful to the word from the very beginning his ministry was to be a ministry of quote unquote failure people were not going to pay attention to him they were on a downward road destined for judgment brother gross there's Jeremiah standing he among the firing squad if you will he and his word from God you know, the interesting, oh God, I ho, ho, shataya. The interesting thing about Jeremiah, he was from a city called Anathoth, a city that belonged to a group of priests. 
a city whose name means answers to prayers. It's a city of priests. He's from a place that means answers to prayers, as though each of those priests, each of those heralders, each of those proclaimers, if you will, were answers to prayer. Jeremiah, though, was among a group of people. He's preaching, he's teaching, he's proclaiming, and it seems like failure in his ministry. But in reality, what they didn't even perceive is he was really an answer to prayer. A man that was proclaiming the word of the Lord. He was an answer to prayer because he was the only hope. Or more plainly, the word that he bore was the only hope for those people. Throughout Jeremiah's entire ministry, he was never blessed to see the people of Judah turn back to God. Though he preached that, he never seen them turn back to God. Repentance was one of his biggest sermon pleas about repenting and coming back to God. He told priests to repent, king to repent, false prophets to repent ordinary citizens to repent but none of them seemed to turn to the Lord yet he preached the word was faithful to the the word and the Lord because it was their only possible lifeline not him but the word why is it brother McGee that some people stand in certain cultures in certain areas in certain cities and work seem like failures I wish I could say I was 100% responsible for that. Part and parcel, I'd say yes, sometimes we are. But I will tell you this. When God sends a man to an area just to speak the word. Only eternity will tell what judgment day will look like whenever they are without excuse. It won't be because we had the best singing or the best playing. It's going to be because somebody stood behind a pulpit and said, thus saith the word. Titus said, look at it now. Titus 1 and 3. Look at it in your Bibles later if you want. God said. Titus said, God manifested, which means to make known. God manifested his word through preaching. God manifested. He made known his word through preaching. Now let's consider the the domino effect, the impact. I know. The thing that maybe some ignore. The impact. In 1 Samuel 3 and 1, Samuel is just a young boy. He's been taken to the house of God to be groomed for being priest. Eli was serving as priest at that time. The Bible states in this particular hour of Samuel's young life that the word of God was very precious. In those days, which meant during this time and era of time that there was no there was no open vision. There was limitations, if you will, on the spoken and even sometimes the visible uh, uh, visions and dreams of the word of the Lord. So the word uh, took a special place of being precious to the people. And so in verse seven of the same chapter, it tells us now note this. Look at this, that Samuel did not know the Lord. So the probability, the possibility, the, 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 the divulging, the proclamation of the word, it was all something very precious. And yet at this point in time of Samuel's young life, it says that he did not know the, the Lord. But as you go further down in the same chapter, 1 Samuel 3 and verse 21, it says, The Lord revealed himself to Samuel by the word. What did Titus say? He said, God said he manifested his word through preaching. The word was precious, but Samuel didn't know the Lord. But the Lord revealed himself by the word. Can I tell you that God has a way of manifesting himself and revealing himself through his word? It is evident that the word evidently had not been revealed to Samuel. Because had the word been revealed to him, then Samuel would have known the Lord. You know what we need to do for a generation that knows him not? We need to manifest his word through some preaching. We need to manifest his word through some preaching. We need to get back to the word. We need to lift it up off the table. We need to take it off the shelf. We need to read it, listen to it, study it, meditate on it, rally around it when 
preached. Paul told Timothy to preach the word. It's not just enough for the word to be abiding. It's got to be preached. It's got to be spoken. It's got to be read. It's got to be declared. Someone say amen. In 2 Kings 22, the Bible speaks of a very young king by the name of Josiah. He started serving in his kingship when he was eight years old. Josiah is coming on the scene to reign after another king had preceded him. Another king who was spoken as that he forsook the Lord. And he walked not according to the way of the Lord. And so everything is in just debauchery. The kingdom of God is in debauchery. People having any high regard for the temple, for the word, for the law is all at a very low level. And this is the level that Josiah, a young king, starts to serve at eight years old, comes into the picture. And the Bible says that Josiah wanted to implement some change in the kingdom. He wanted, if you will, to change things up a little bit for the nation. And as a result, he he just called for change change for the house of God. One of his first orders of business was a gathering of money together from the tabernacle, from the temple. He says, I want to get the money from the high priest there so we can repair the breaches that are in the house of God. We're not talking about pants either. We're talking about gaps and hoes. Amen. In the house of God. He said, we want to get the money to repair the breaches in the house of God. You got to understand, hear me right now, you got to understand that for years the book of the law at this time the word had been lost in the house of God. But as Josiah sent Shaphan his scribe to go talk to the priest Hilkiah in the tabernacle about the money for the repairs of the house of God, Hilkiah reported to the scribe. He said, hey, we found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Folks, that's a noble statement that he found the word of the law or the word of God in the house of the Lord. Let me tell you, I'll tell you where the Lord is mostly lost today. It's lost in God's house. It's there. But it's lost while being there. He said, I found the word of the law. He said, it's in the house of God. It's what the scribe did next that changed the dynamics of their generation. It's what the scribe did next that changed, amen, the dynamics of his heir. What he did in the presence of the king. He went back to Josiah. This made all the difference for their generation. And the Bible says he took that word of God that was lost in the house of God and that scribe began to read the word of the Lord in the hearing of the king. And as he declared the word, if you will, for our purposes this morning, as he preached the word amen something started to happen whenever Josiah heard the words of the Lord he said wait a minute can I get me a priest to go inquire of the Lord I need to seek God I'll tell you what the word will do the word will keep you in a seeking posture after the Lord it will you know why it'll call things out of your life that you're presently doing, you say, oh, you, I feel a little conviction. I need to go inquire of the Lord. The Word has that power. He says, we're going to inquire of the Word. We're going to inquire of the presence of the Lord. And he read it, he declared it, and it changed the kingdom of that generation. And it was the spoken Word that turned the dynamics of an era around. Jonah. Many are familiar with the story, perhaps. But Jonah is a man of God, a prophet. Jonah 3, 2. This is what the Lord spoke to him. He said, preach unto it. He's speaking of Nineveh, the city that he's sending him to. Tell him, Jonah, preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. That's good advice. That's good advice for churches, preachers, pastors, evangelists, apostles, prophets. Preach what God has given you. Preach what God has given you. Jonah, though, he preaches to Nineveh, and we find him on the outskirts of the city under a withering gourd. He's a little unhappy. He's a little riveted with anger. He's a little frustrated. Why? 
Because Nineveh, after hearing what they heard, put on sackcloth and ashes and repented. Here's what I want you to understand. Jonah didn't go to Nineveh and say, Nineveh, repent. This is, this is the word that God bid him speak. Jonah went to Nineveh and said, Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was his message. And as a result of the declared preached word, designed by God, a people turned to their knees to fasting and repenting just because of those words that God wanted a man to speak. You know what Jonah's problem was really under the gourd? He underestimated the power of a preached word. Part of the success, you can stand with me this morning, part of the success of the early church is that the Bible says in Acts 5, Daily they ceased not to preach. Daily they ceased not to preach. I'm not a preacher, Brother McGee. You're not. But your life is epistles written in red of all men, bar none. Paul said, I'm ready to preach. He said another portion of Scripture, Woe is me if I preach not. The ordination of the 12 disciples in the New Testament. The ordination of the 12 disciples in the New Testament was twofold. You look at it in Mark 3 and Mark 10. It's twofold. This is, and this is the twofold. That number one, that they would be with him, that is Jesus. And that they would go forth to preach. It's your purpose, guys. You be with me. And you go forth to preach. As a matter of fact, Jesus sent forth the twelve. But the significance of their going. Listen to me. The significance of their going was bound in these words. And as ye go, preach. It's right there. As ye go, preach. The commission before Jesus' ascension to heaven. To those disciples around him. What is it? We call, we know it. We call it the great commission. Go ye into all the world and Preach. There's got to be a declaration, a proclamation, a sharing, a reading, a uttering of the word. All the wonder of it. Over 3,000 different languages, some portion of it is translated into. Men have written, inspired of the Holy Ghost of different cultures, times, not knowing each other. The inspired word of God. And in the Old Testament, it's talking about a lamb for a sacrifice and blood of a perfect lamb. And then the writers of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels write concerning Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Listen. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wasn't related. Or didn't know or ever sat down at a table with Moses and from the Old Testament. But that was the weaving of the tapestry of God through his word. And it was good for the old. It's good for the new. He opened up the scripture with it. He closed the scripture with it. Revelation 19.13 tells us that John, he saw heaven open. This is after the rapture of the church. We're talking about the coming of the Lord back to the earth to set up his dominion and his kingdom. And John says that he saw, he saw heaven opened. And he saw one that sat up on a white horse. They called him faithful. They called him true. His eyes, he says, were as a flame of fire. There were many crowns that were upon his head. He was clothed with a vesture that was dipped in blood. And he said his name is called the Word of God. It was there when God said in the beginning... He said, let there be light. Let there be a firmament. Let there be fowl, the air, beast of the field, fish of the seed. It was there in the beginning. And folks, it's going to be there in the end. And you've all times heard me say it. The word that we live by and the word that we die by is the same word we're going to be judged by on judgment day. So don't you tell me this has no importance. Because it does. I wonder. 
I feel the Holy Ghost. The wonder of His Word. Can we bow our heads all across this building today? The wonder of His Word. I want to be found guilty. I want to be found guilty of speaking. I want to be found guilty of having it and speaking it faithfully because it's right. It's true. It's a verifiable word. But as us members of the congregation today, you need to pull it into your bosom. Because we can't walk an evil way and keep the word of the Lord. You got to hide it in your heart that you might not sin against him. It's the, blood, it's the best fire retardant on your time here on earth and for the afterlife. As I, whenever I was a kid, I used to love Jeremiah 20 and 9. I used to love it. Man, it was one of those little, a young boy, like probably before I ever preached my first sermon at age 13. It was my scripture. Jeremiah talking about his word. He said, I, I was not going to make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. You know what he's saying? I wasn't going to say anything else about it. I'm going to be quiet. Why? Well, look at the dismal picture he had. He said, word, 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 and nothing was happening. So he's like, I'm not going to speak of it or say anything else. He said, I'm not going to make mention of it or speak anymore in his name. He said, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. And he said, I was weary and forbearing, and I could not stay. You know what he said? He said, I had to declare it. I had to proclaim it. I know it looks like nothing's going on around me. He said, but I've not been made, I've not been made responsible for the results. I've been made responsible for the task. I gotta proclaim it. I gotta proclaim it. Let's bow our heads here today. These altars are open. Folks, I'm telling you, I've spoken to you about the best book on your shelf. I've talked to you about not just the bestseller of all time, but the bestseller every year. The word of the Lord is a bestseller every year. People own four on average four Bibles in their home but it's more than just owning one it's allowing that to live from the scriptures and it's allowing that word to become flesh again in your life it's allowing that word to become flesh in your life come on sir or ma'am is there anybody here that needs to come to an altar I know we have a lot of workers in the back and our kids in the back and it's just us here today so we're just speaking to us that are here right now today it would be my desire today that we would not leave this place that the word would do the as the word did in the times of Josiah that he would hear the word and then he'd say I gotta go inquire I gotta go inquire the presence of God about this I gotta go find the presence of God over this I hope today that there's something from this that was spoken amen a pricking a understanding a knowledge that was divulged concerning the word that honey you just hold this with a greater appreciation between your hands today hallelujah there is life in this there is power in this there's power for salvation in this by the foolishness of preaching it please God to save them that believe by the word that's the reason why sometimes whenever we've danced and shouted and had such a great glorious time that I still get up and preach the word. You know why? Because it's by the word that God has chose to begotten people into his kingdom. Oh, let's raise our hands all across this if we shall. I know we're in a little bit of overtime today, but we would be cheering if it was football or basketball. Oh, they're tied in overtime. We're in overtime right now. I know that's fine. Hallelujah. Oh, Brother Mason, if you have a song on your heart, that would be fine. But if not, that's okay. I want us to be responsive. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Yay, yay, nay, man, to the word of God. Don't let truth fall in the street in our generation. Don't let truth fall in the street in our generation. Because we're not proclaimers. Let that truth on the street because we're not readers and utterers of the word. No, sir, no, ma'am. Every child of God, under the sound of my voice, you need to read it, you need to declare it, you need to live it. The wonder of this grand word. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, sir, ma'am. We are begotten by the gospel, the apostle said. That's his word. We're begotten by that. We were born by that. All right. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's sing just a few bars. Thank you for listening. 
If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.